Hey everybody, Jackie that's right, with the it's top the bottom line and we've got a very special no serendipitous occasion here. I think it's the 23rd anniversary of the album Blue and just by happenstance, my old friend and production partner who co-produced and recorded the album Blue, Jason Carmer is here to uh, uh, talk about it. Here being, we're in Austin, Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah, Jason, uh, we've been catching up downstairs. It's good to see you. Likewise, Stephen. It's great to see you too, man. Um, we're going to talk about the making of the album Blue. And I'd like to start off by saying I don't remember much. But it was at the Plant Studios where uh, Fleetwood Mac made Rumors. Yes. And also, um, let's see, uh, I think Stevie Wonder recorded there. No, Metallica no, did. No, 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 they did. Yes, yeah, Metallica Wonder made did. the Black Album they, there. Uh, as, yeah, Stevie Wonder did. Uh, Metallica, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, put that thing in your mouth. Many people. Many yeah. people. It's a, it's many, classic. many, many people. Yes, I um, should know how to do this. Like, I, I, yeah, I you should can. Know how to, to, to you really should. This microphone. How should we go about talking about making this record? We start with the song "Anything," which became the first single uh, off the record and i think people were upset yes, that it was. was it was too short and these days ice spice has got a big hit with the song munch i think it's a minute and 30 seconds and uh anything is how long does anything clock in at? 145 it's 145 i remember that damn what yeah. i remember is this is that we had that song and we had you had written it the label electra electra wanted it to be longer uh-huh so i remember right. editing it because I, I, you wanted it you you were very like adamant on it being the lead single huh and, and uh went to number nine on the charts i remember with hanging out with sean beresford trying to make edits to, to get it up to like two minutes plus so i told you the one thing that i would change on making this record is we had pro tools digital recording had just started and we said let's make this album um on pro tools and it was of course like amazing to work on but it sounds like the beginning of pro, of pro tools to me i think it's one of the best albums that that i think blue is one of our best albums and when i listen to a song like say never let you go it sounds incredibly clean to me almost antiseptically so yeah you think i mean uh at the time when we were doing that it seemed like we were like pretty ahead of the game oh yeah we were early on on like pro tools and stuff we were yeah we were i i, I remember like we we had vacationed with with uh some other people and we were in the gym in hawaii working out and they played a uh um a, a like a, a bunch of pop songs and then they played our song they played that song they played never let you go yeah they played never let you go right after uh god damn i don't remember her name but i mean we were on the radio we we were there natalie and broglia and broglia and it was um torn it, it fucking it very was well could be it very well could be but the point was, is, is that we were charting and, and people were digging it and, and we had used the technology that was available. 
And it worked, you know. Okay, no, no question there. I'm glad that uh, anything was the first song on that record. We just re-recorded anything for uh, an unplugged record, right? Did we? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> you, you can edit on my you. part also. No, I told you this is a <laughs> shitty podcast. This is what we do. Um, okay, well, like if you sound stupid, so do I. So this is like, huh. Oh, we should have done anything. Because that would sound amazing with a mandolin. What? Volume two. We are going to do volume two of yeah, the unplugged. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do unplugged volume two in Mexico at Jason's studio. Well, they have a then the, the, that could make. He's got the uh, these, uh, He's got the Bob Marley Legends board, and uh, what else was on there? Um, on your on your console. Uh, Black Sabbath. Yeah, but uh, who, uh, Avalon. Many things. Avalon Many was recorded on that console. Including that one. Track two. I think maybe my favorite song, um, What at least any list of my like five favorite Third Eye Blind songs includes this one, Wounded. Um, and it is a staple. It's been a staple at every show uh, that we've ever done. Uh, yes, we didn't do it. We, did, we didn't play it today, but uh, it does definitely get played often so wounded first off like with blue we spent so much time working on these songs i mean we were in the studio for so long yeah how long we were there how long were we in the studio i remember i moved into a houseboat it was rad <laughs> i remember that too yeah i really enjoyed living in that houseboat we we had all three rooms all three rooms at the plant so th those are a b and c so a is the Metallica room, B was the Metallica room, and C. No, B wasn't the Metallica well, room. It was the Stevie was the, Wonder room. It was it was Stevie Wonder and Fleetwood Mac's room. Right, that's where right. rumors got recorded. And the other room though was was the um, uh, the mastering room, wasn't it? No, the no. weird round room with with. Um, oh yeah. That. Uh, it was oh, the mastering room, wasn't what it? What a great time to like remember like names of artists. No, that that was the um, oh, Sly and the Family Sly Stone. Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah. Okay. So, so there was the Sly room, and, yeah. and there was the Stevie Wonder room, and there was the Metallica room. We had all three of those rooms booked for like six months. So I hope you can edit like this <laughs> up into that. Now all the dilly dally is the whole point okay. of this thing, and this is like the most information that's ever had on a podcast uh, that we've ever done. Somebody said to me once uh the, there's a line in there back down the bully to the back of the bus it's time for them to be scared of us is like the quintessential that's it that's the third eye blind sort of the the mega line if you will i am um, i don't know that that's true but uh it doesn't hurt my feelings all right track number three is uh 10 days late and uh this song was from a story that uh, a friend of mine told me about uh getting his girlfriend pregnant again and kind of him like figuring out what he was going to do when she said yeah i'm keeping it it was just kind of his like journey into uh coming to terms with this that he's going to be a daddy yeah that's that's an interesting topic to like be exploring now I it mean, is that's right <laughs> it's weird to think that we were like more ahead of the curve than 
than the current curve. Yeah, it's true. We, we regressed a little bit, but it just got kind of revalidated, interestingly enough. That one was recorded in A, and we got a bunch of kids to come in um, and try to do this little choir thing, and they kind of over-enunciated the, Baby, daddy, keep your boo. <laughs> they were like, it was overly done, and they loved, um, they kind of loved doing it. Um, that was kind of weird. I, I, I remember. There's a bit of a ham. Yeah. Well, 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 who like, so w- did they come from like a church or something? No, like they that? weren't really church. I don't know what choir it was. It was like a school choir or something, but they were not, they were not from a church, but they were kind of acting that way. There was, you know, it's supposed to have some like, uh, well, I just remember that like, you know, I mean, the song is basically, you know, it's about having an abortion, right? So or not having a board or Actually, not yeah. right. It, or it's about that question mark. Right? Yes, and, and I remember. I I don't want to say that the the adults who brought the children from the church or wherever. No, the they didn't. They didn't. Bring they, came from. they weren't actually from a church. Um. I, yeah, it but wasn't. It wasn't that. It's literally ten days late. Is literally a song about choice. Right, but but I, re- I I do remember being there behind the console and looking at the faces of the adults who brought the kids. Yeah. When they started to realize that maybe this song was a question mark about like you know, uh, abortion. You know that yeah that they were they were kind of like I don't know it just. Uh, yeah, like maybe like they were from a church or something like. Well, that. wounded's about rape. Um, so this is the blue album. We've got, um, we've got rape. We've got abortion. Let's see what other subjects we're, <laughs> we're covering <laughs> on this pop classic on to never let you go. So this one was written for Max girlfriend at the time who was in med school at Harvard university and she was doing her surgery rotation and she was in the OR room assisting on an appendectomy or something like that. And uh, this song came on. The main doctor liked to listen to music in there, and it came on. And so while she was in there, she was listening to a song about her. (laughs) I remember the stupid things, the mood rings, the bracelets and the beads, nickels and dimes, yours and mine. We lived in, we were subletting a house when the song was read, and and we were extremely poor. And this guy had a giant, like a giant, huge, bucket of change that he kept and we would um steal it but our rule was that we would never take quarters we would only take nickels and dimes and uh we would this way we would go and we would get a small gelato um but it was what was her name again i I totally i I remember her but i don't remember her name we could do tara yeah we do first names and only yeah yeah Yeah. but yes her name was tara yes i remember it still is tara yeah um and uh, we remain family to this day. I wrote that riff. Don't, 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 don't. It was a mistake. What was really happening was I was trying to learn how to play uh, Sweet Jane. But I couldn't figure it out while I was doing it. And as I was trying to learn it like by ear, I was like, well, that's interesting. And um, I thought the beat was so weird. I just kind of kept going with it. Instead of standing on a corner, I went. Well, I remember this. What I remember is, is every good reason, huh? 
Well, I remember being in the studio, yeah. and, and we were in the the third room, and, and you were playing guitar, and uh, we. I mean, in, in that room, I guess it was the Sly room, which was the SSL room that was the the smaller room at, at Plant, because once again we had rented all these rooms out. And uh, you were playing guitar in the back. And I remember you going like, dun, 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 dun. You kept playing it. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's that's tight. Like, what is that? What is this? And you, you just kind of like, you didn't say anything. That was a riff that popped up early in our recording of yeah. that album. But that, that, that riff didn't, that, that song didn't present itself until much later. And I could see that you were working on it. Yeah, because that it, one took a lot, a, a lot of work to come together to like to get the bass line together on that track, to get Brad to find a groove. The guitar. It's a decept, a well, the beat is weird because I remember in, in being dum, 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 being in, in Studio Three because I started to like we we yeah. had a we had a SB twelve hundred or some or, or, or a drum machine. And I started like you were playing it. And I tried to play the beat. Yeah, where the, where the fuck is one? Out. Yeah, I was like, okay. And yeah, then of course I fucked it all up. Felt stupid about it. Well, this is why it's really good to have Brad in the band. Yeah, because he he's a drummer. Because he done unfucked it. Um, yeah, that one, and then um, and then we had this sort of like stringy uh, breakdown that was kind of like Bach, if you will. Uh, a mock Bach. <laughs> and. Uh, um, no, and it got it got one of the best write-ups in the Village Voice, um, talking about um, how they valued this song. It was really, it's actually kind of a really great moment. Wait, let me find the rest of this. All right, deep inside of you, this is one that I wrote for the first record that did make uh, the first record. And is that old? Yeah, Deep Inside of You actually was was considerably older, and it became a huge, huge hit in India, and it's why we toured <laughs> India. And years later, we went to India, <laughs> and uh, we went to Bombay, and it could be that we wore kind of like white, I don't know what those costumes are, but I think it might have been the, what we wore in the video. But we went to India, and we played our set, and then um, for encores somebody comes out and goes could you please please play deep inside of you and we went out and it turned into a fucking bollywood musical the crowd just went off and they heard the track that they want to hear so it's really our only hit song in india and there's so many people in india that makes it the, probably the biggest song we uh, ever had i remember watching the video for that song later on and, and while we were working on the next record that see that is now we weren't in India now, so Jason, maybe that I'm is digressing that is the kind or like of um, changing the subject little nugget the little tidbit there that uh, people just go crazy over that you remember seeing a video of it later on no because in I remember it charting golden moment no I remember it was charting and, and I remember it was like, deep inside of you yes no we did that like we no and we I went still to have NRG. the sunglasses why did we go to energy. Do you remember being in energy? Like we. I still have like the sunglasses that I made that video with, and they're still really a perfectly good pair of sunglasses. Uh, some things endure. Thousand Julys. Basically, it's our ode to um, ACDC. You want to hear the story with that song? Yeah. 
Right. So th th this is. <laughs> you do you know how much we spent to make the guitars, th to make the guitar tracks for that? It would. We had a lot of pedals. I it figured pretty, it out. No, it's pretty I, damn. I did. I did the math. Tell me. Okay. So the the riff on that with the guitars, and this is bad. I mean, whatever. But anyways, so we spent so much time to get the pocket for that guitar riff. And, um, yeah, it, it took, like, we spent $30,000 to, to really? make the, the, the that guitar riff that we looped. Da-da-da-da, da-da. Really? Wow. Yeah, we spent $30,000 to make the fucking four-bar loop of that. Why do I know that? Because I was the co-producer and the guy recording. I remember that. <laughs> it was such a fucking drag to record that damn <laughs> it's a part. Comedy. I mean, we spent thirty thousand dollars on and that. And all the time we were making da, da, fun da, da, of. Da, and all the time da, da, da. we were making. How much does it cost to make this? Da, 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 da. And now, $30, like thousand dollars. Now it costs thirty thousand dollars to make my entire last record. Like <laughs> it didn't cost anything to make that record <laughs> because um, on um, our band apart, we all just went in the room. And played the song, and if we didn't like it, then we would all go back in the room and play it all together again, and just kind of like, you know, back to old school. Those records are so much more expensive then than the records are that we make now. And the whole time we were doing that, we were making fun of Lars Dude, Ulrich. We spent a million dollars making that fucking blue record, man. I mean, it was eight hundred thousand dollars was the end total. It is when I talked to Electra. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. But like, what what I heard when I talked to Sylvia Roan, as I remember, like at the very end of the day, it was it was like eight k, eight hundred k, or a million, or something stupid like that. Did we give that but to the plant? Me, correct me. And if it I'm still wrong. smelled like mold. No, it wasn't just dumb. But here's the thing: thing is, we were in there looping a goddamn guitar track and making fun of Lars Ulrich because he had like. He shit he, on the table. Had, the no, no, he had two hundred. He had like two hundred edits. He was recording with Bob Rock, and then he was done with his two hundred edits. He stood up there and goes, "This song rocks. I rock." <laughs> right. and we thought that was so funny. Right. Well, yeah. And we're basically well, doing the same shit. <laughs> we did the same thing. Now the story with that, right? Was that the, the the assistant who was helping us out in Studio A told us that he had edited. He took a week or two or whatnot to, to edit fucking dude's drums, like staying up all night editing all the drums. And he finally finished it. And then Lars walked in the room. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I want to hear my drum. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I just finished it. And he play. And then Lars, who's like three foot tall, sat in front of the nine foot speakers with his hands on his fucking, you know, his waist. And listened to the whole nine-minute song and said, I rock. This rocks. I rock. <laughs> and we thought that was so funny. <laughs> and then we're kind of like, and now like I'm reminded that we spent $30,000 looping a guitar. Well, um, you know. that was so, um, okay. So uh, on to Ode to Maybe. So this is a song where I felt very much alone. Um, it's a song that I wrote and i just didn't really attract the 
interest of anybody else in the band. So, um, yeah, you were on your own with that one. I was really, I really felt on my own. And I really just hate the guitar sounds. It was kind of done after, you know? But I still find that it's like kind of one of my favorite tracks. Lead in. So, lead in night is like a movie at a laundromat. Like, it's, a, it's like this. The lyrics are kind of so free on that record that it's it's really one of my favorites. And uh, if I could bottle my hopes in a store-bought scent, they'd be nutmeg peach and they'd pay the rent. And I'd ride a horse and I'd teach a chord. Like, it's actually just well, kind of one of my Steven, favorite. Like, like the, the, the thing with you and your fucking band, it, it, it's, it's always been two different things, right? You, you're really good with words, okay? So... Probably the better move would have been to not have other clowns helping you because, I mean, clowns, that's a bad word. That's, I didn't mean that. People. People. But, you know, I, I think that, like, that the impetus of, of, of a lot of this stuff came from you, and, and then you kind of dumped it on these other guys. And so you kind of like, okay, it goes G, C, D, whatever. And then you let them kind of, like, you know, make leads and stuff like that. But maybe, you know, like with hindsight, it would have been better, you know, to Just make your own fucking leads, to make your own fucking leads. But a song that we actually did do together, um, was red summer sun. That was the first track that we recorded. And, um, that's also one of my favorite songs on the record. And one I'd like to do again, because again, it was just kind of all over the place. And I know that we had these expectations after having these um, these sort of giant hit songs on the first record. And one thing I was really proud about with Blue uh, was um, the Red Summer Sun. That was just this bizarre, weirdo, prog, rocky, um, hard rock, stoner. Um, yeah. Just, just, you know. What kind of jam, like. Like Space Odyssey. Kind yeah, of yeah. And and I, I just felt incredibly free of like, yeah, we're not going to do what you fucking told us. And that's what I have to say about that one. Same thing with Camouflage. This album, actually, now that I'm looking at this. Camouflage is is, is like, you know, I, like I, I, I've been listening to this record recently, which is... Uh, 23 years on. I mean, like, 20, but I have been. And Camouflage really sticks out to me because... I feel like that it's uh, it's very it's a piece of art. It really stands by itself. I mean, it's uh, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's I mean, could it have been better? Yeah, of course. I guess with with twenty three years. What camouflage? Eyesight, camouflage can can't back. be can't be better. Be but, a dream in right. color, even on a winter's night. Picture George Seurat. Afternoon bathed in light. Camouflage to me is one of the most like the idea of the song in my head is what's actually on tape. It's <laughs> Pro Tools. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pro Tools. No, but we we recorded the tape. Okay, so just to clarify. We recorded to tape and no, then we, we put it on fucking Pro Tools. We recorded everything to tape. First. Yes. And, and then after we went to tape, yeah, then we bounced it to Pro Tools. What, what, by the way, when, when we recorded that the fucking record, I mean, with the drums with Brad, 
I mean, we geeked out so hard on the sounds of the drums going to tape that I remember at one point, uh, I don't even know if you're aware of this, but we had done a song for Black Lab. That, that, oh, yeah. That, that's, that fucking band, Black Lab. Yeah. And, and uh, so Brad came in, and I recorded him because uh, whoever the fucking A&R guy was from, from that, that's, that dumb band, dumb, I shouldn't say that, uh, that band. Um, and, and so we recorded drums, and, and they, they, they hit us back, and they said, are these samples? They sound so great. And we were like, no, this is just what it's we've good sounding record. On. Yeah, again, Farther. Farther was a song that I just could not get anything, uh, kind of any help on that track. And I played most of that stuff. You know, that's an old song. It right? is. And, and um, all I think about is waiting and all the people we are changing into. I we're going to do a little. Um, do we do it right? I don't I don't know. Tell me. No. No, farther should should have been done much better. I think that's like a personal song of yours. I was very alone in the studio at that time. I I spent a lot of time uh, with it was just you and me uh, in the in that studio on that making that record. Um, Yes, we did. It was kind of um, we were kind of at the demise of that iteration of of the band. And that you know that's the thing about relationships; they come and go. The thing is to is to just continue to be musical and continue to serve the sound in your head. And I think that farther is an example of when you do try to rely on, on, on dependencies in relationships, you could be doing that actually at the expense um, of serving the sound in your head. I felt like we were searching for the way to, do that song, you know, because I know that yeah. you had written it earlier. For eight hundred fucking thousand dollars, we shouldn't have rushed that one. We should have just spent nine hundred thousand dollars, Jason. Yeah, right. I mean, because like we could have done it like for like fifty thousand bucks, and we could have pocketed the rest. Let's get on to slow motion. <laughs> so slow motion, we recorded, and Sylvia Roan um, had. Oh yeah, that's that's a classic. Um, I do you wrote, remember when she showed up to the studio and asked us not to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I, and she and <laughs> and it was because Sylvia Roan is the president of Electro Records. And she's about as heavy as it gets. Yeah. And she signed us. By the time we got a record deal, um, a whole bunch of people were coming after us. And I I just found Sylvia to be kind of the smartest, the most vivacious, the most charismatic, uh, the most convincing. Um and one thing that she wanted on that second record was, I think the chairman of that whole record group um, had his son was a teacher who was shot, um, was a victim of gun right, violence, right. and there, she thought this would be so upsetting. That, there was something deeper than yeah, that was so she she didn't want that on the record, and the song's like a classic, and uh, we. Um, we had to put it out on on records later, and it's one that everybody knows every word to every song. Well, song. But I do love the sound of it. I love I love the recording, um, and I think that one was actually done in Skywalker, wasn't it? 
Yeah, th- that song is very simple. The, the recording is very. S- the, I the, think the, I did that one at Skywalker before I met any anybody. The tracking, in the band. it was before I didn't record that. So yeah. you recorded no, that I with did. Eric. Or, no, I re- or, no, I recorded that with. I didn't record it or, with um, or, Eric Eric Valentine. I recorded it with David Gleason at right. Skywalker old, way right, before right, I met anybody right. in the band, and I I wanted to put. I should have put it on the first record. You should have, but but. Uh, as I remember, when we were dealing with it, it, it is that they did, they didn't want it on the first record. No, and, no. and, and Sylvia crushed it. Yeah, and then so then when the second record came about, she crushed it again. When, when, but when, when you had some momentum after yeah. selling eight fucking million records or whatnot, then uh, do you remember her showing up? I mean, like like we were at the studio with fucking Tom Lord Algae. And, and oh yeah do you remember that yeah and, and, and then like she pulls up in a fucking limo yeah and she's sitting out there in a fucking car for 30 minutes and then some dude walks in and he goes he's like i present sylvia rowan or something like that like ladies and gentlemen i know they were like fucking royalty <laughs> it's like what the fuck man like oh yeah yeah we see you out in the car and and that's when we banged about that song with her and you were very adamant. You're like, well, this record blue is not going to come out if we don't put this song on it. Yeah, and I thought it, I was going to get my way, but I didn't because we put it on there without the lyrics. Right, but at the moment, but she kind of backed down. I remember for that. a moment. Well, at that moment, she, she did. never backed down. She always she changed my uh, my videos after the fact. She very much had her she had her hand. In I was it. trying to make you out to something, bro. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Darkness coming up next. Darkness. Um, but you what? you hit her hard. You hit her hard, then. I remember that. I do play slow motion um, almost every night. And everybody in the audience, when we play 10,000 seats, everybody sings every single word of that song. And uh, so. There you have it. So I mean, it. Um, People got the message. That's a great song, and I remember all the what. Just to dwell on that for a second, just uh, talking about the production on because it's almost like Jeff Buckley's Grace. There's just nothing in it. It's just you. Um, I was listening to Jeff Buckley. I was listening to Jeff Buckley's Grace when I was trying to do that, and it's um it's upright bass with me playing guitar, um and then there's a little bit of B three, just like two notes on B three. And um, that's about it. Ren Kleiss, who ended up um, doing all of the right. um, the sound, he did all the, the uh, all the sound for um, David Fincher's films. Um, also, um, he was he was producer on that track. But that was an early song, right? I mean, yeah, you, it was it was it was before like my when first. Did you, when did you write that song? Oh, ninety four. Before before it's I met before any all this shit. Before I met anybody. Before all of it. I, I ha- Third Eye Blind was, this was Third Eye Blind at the time before I had put together the first iteration of the band. And so it was just a studio project in my head where I would steal studio time, um, you know, at Skywalker Ranch and, and worked with like other with engineers Rand and producers and, and, and worked with those guys. guys. Yeah. So that's, that's how that one came together. Um, okay. We got two more. Darkness. Uh, you remember anything about that? Blue, yeah. come over. Yes, of course. So, um, Darkness for me is one of my favorite songs, if not my most favorite song on that album. Mm. And 
I, I feel like that that song is, I just love it. I mean, I, I just, I think it's so great. It's a, it's a song about sort of the terrors of, of suburbia. Um, and I was kind of reminiscing about just the, just that, just the agonizing, gnawing um, boredom of, of uh, suburban life. Well, it feels big though. Like I like that. Like it's a big, we were able to achieve a landscape like the big um, kind of oh, canyon it, size. It, 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 it lives up to its name. I mean, it, it's, it's a very dark song. And I also feel that that song is the last song that you and Kevin that did together. Like that in the sense that like what he did and what you did was, was harmonious. Because the guitar parts on that, they're, they're so complimentary of the vocals. And, and, uh, and then when it hits on the chorus, I mean, it's just like, it, it's, it's just, it, it's amazing. I, I love that song. Was it recorded late in the... Uh I, th I think that that one was actually, I, I think that's when we were all kind of on the same page. You know? uh -huh. I, mean, I, I remember going into making Blue. Yeah. I mean, so we're going to, we're, like we're talking about Blue in a very sequential way right now. So like we're starting from the beginning of the album. And we're almost and we're, at the we're, end. We're moving our way down. And we're almost at the end of this podcast, Jason. Okay, so yeah. I'll let you see. <laughs> But but I, I guess my point then is that like with that song, it's very, it's very like it, it, it's both of it's everybody working together. Yeah, like Brad. I remember working with Brad on the drums on that, and then yeah. Kevin being around, you being around in the studio. I mean, we all believed in that song. I mean, I, I think that that was a very important song to all of us. Yeah. I don't know if we really remembered that. No, I think know? we were, I think that um, we were so um, taken over by um, the dysfunctionality of relationships. And it, it's interesting because now when I record with Third Eye Blind now, we, that's the norm everybody gets in the room and we nobody has any titles or names and we just start chasing after a sound and we do it based on excitement and there's this there's this real easy um joy in the search uh for it and um if i could if I, if I could, you know, we were talking about like, you know, if I knew that, if I could go back and go, you know, the only thing that matters is you just get in here and, and, and let this thing happen. That's the only fucking thing that matters. That would be a, that would be a good thing for future self to say to past self. What's the last, oh, the last, the last song on this album is Darwin. Um, and, I uh, that song. that's kind of my favorite, uh. Um, a spaceman fucked an ape and then cut out on the date. Now it's much too late. Classic. Um, I was kind of making fun of uh, Scientology. <laughs> right. I remember, but yeah. but um, it kind of ends the whole record in that um, this this record was kind of a watercolors. 
impressionist record instead of being super super specific except for a song like slow motion and and never let you go well deep inside of you too but this album was one that had so much kind of um willingness to just trust the um the initial expression of an idea and that is something that um to this day I find very difficult to uh, kind of access and it's something yeah. that actually makes me really proud of Blue. Thanks for being part of it, Jason. It was my pleasure, Stephen. And, and I do think that we made something that was very special. All right, there it is. That's the, uh, the, the pot of wine, Blue Edition.